of the Game Time Decision Podcast. Joining me as always, Nick Sagan, Graham Anderson, into the second round of the playoffs. We didn't post our uh, our second round predictions because I was a goofball and deleted the audio recording the day after we did that. So, disappointed, but you should all know that uh, nothing really changed. Lots of Caps picks, which don't look so good now. And let's, uh, let's start off there. Capitals down 2-1 in this series. Before we get into the actual gameplay, we got to talk about it. The Crosby hit... Was it dirty? Was Matt Niskanen trying to demolish Crosby's neck? Or, in my opinion, the worst part of that play, Ovechkin's double slash to Crosby's head. I think Niskanen puts his arms up in defense, but I think the Ovi double slash to Crosby's head is worse. Let me hear it. Critique away. I'd probably agree with that. I don't think Niskanen did it on purpose at all. Where are your hot takes? the game moves so fast and if you look at it at full speed i don't i don't know if niskanen could have avoided it or i think it's still a penalty yeah and i think he's got to have his head up and be ready for stuff like that to protect himself and the players around him um but it definitely is not worthy of a suspension i don't even think it was worthy of five in a game but yeah that's just me i think niskanen is going to hit crosby there regardless yeah, And then Crosby gets smoked to the back of the head, loses his balance and goes down, and Niskanen just doesn't stop. I don't think he goes yeah. through him. Um, you know, he, he doesn't try to really finish that check. But to me, it's not – it's almost as if there was hesitation. And yeah. so the You know, he was he was going to do it. He was committed to doing it. And then he kind of did it. And it ended up going really, really poorly because Crosby's head was there. And – well, you don't want to see that for anybody. Ah, it's it's frustrating because I am as much against headshots and and I am for concussion safety as anybody else out there. And it bothers me how the NHL treats things. But I don't think this is the hit that you use as your hill to die on. There are so no. many better examples and this is just not it. And it's unfortunate that it happened across I, because of his history. I, and I, I completely agree. I know he's not playing in game four because of the concussion, um, which would be interesting. Usually with a concussion, it'll be interesting to see him play game five because most people, when you get a concussion, you're not playing hockey four days later. Um, but <laughs> who knows? So, you know, depending if this goes six or seven games, then maybe he's back game six or seven. But I don't think he plays game five either. I think Niskanen gets that five in a game because it's Crosby. I know I've said that before. Yeah. I think it's because it's Crosby. He's a star player. Totally that's is. Five in a game. If that was, if that was Gunsel, even though he's got seven, or however you pronounce that kid's name, Gensel. Even though he's got seven goals and he's amazing, if that's who that was for, it might it might have been a four game, maybe a double, like a four minute, maybe a double minor, but that would have been the most. But since it's Crosby, it's five, it's five in a game because you did that to Crosby. I I don't think it was malicious. I was I was reading reports that they had a team meeting after game two, and they were saying. Those reports, the the report was that the the Capitals players got together in a in a players only meeting, and their discussion was, was we need to eliminate Crosby, we need to get him off the ice, we yeah. need to injure him. I, and if there's any truth to that, it's like it's baloney as far as I'm concerned because that's just as much as that rivalry is huge, and as much as Washington is like if they beat us again, like ugh, there's no way that they have a meeting saying let's injure the arguably best player in the league no because then if you do if you injure Crosby and then you do beat the Pens they're gonna you're gonna have that yes you finally beat them without Crosby like that's how that would go down so yeah I'd be weary of calling that a report that was just some writer who made up this story that's (laughs) unless you know for certain that is what happened that is the most irresponsible piece of writing and it like that should be the article you get fired over. And not just fired, but never hired again. 
Because there is a line, and, and you didn't just, like, tow over it. You blew by it. Like, that line is so far in the rear view, you couldn't see it with binoculars. It was... There is just zero about that article that is ethical, that is... It is so frustrating. As someone who wants to get into that profession, to see, like, that caliber of work being paid, what are you doing? That's inexcusable that 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 man has uh, a position and a uh, a platform where he is paid to broadcast opinions like that because it's just like that's yeah. just weak just garbage it, it is that's exactly it it's garbage it's worse than ken campbell's the rangers are done when they went on to go to the stanley cup final you know like that yeah just frustrating but i think we all agree you know hit unfortunate Probably not suspension worthy, maybe not even major worthy, and definitely not intent to murder. Uh, and I think that's that's a pretty reasonable take. I think it's mostly Pens fans who were uh, who thought it was crazy, and mostly Caps fans who thought it was no big deal. Uh, I think we're we're somewhere in a happy medium. Uh, but let's move on. Talk about the series as a whole because this series has been really interesting to me. It's been mostly Washington, uh, except for high danger scoring chances, and, and that's where Pittsburgh as they did in the first round, has been drawing even or outplaying the Caps. You know, they, they seem to be willing to give up a lot of perimeter shots if they can control the slot and get those opportunities from in close and in, in tight. And, it, and to me, this has been, you know, this is what the Pens are this postseason. I think it's interesting. It's not how I'm used to seeing them play, but I like it. Um, and, you know, if, if Fleury is going to continue to be a solid goaltender the way he can be, you know, it, it's hard to see them going out like even in that Washington win it wasn't convincing you know Phil Kessel had like 10 shots on goal alone which is ridiculous that's just that's not attempts that's like on net he was fantastic it's a miracle he didn't score um so you know if if that's what happens in a win I'm almost more confident in the Penguins now yeah I agree with you I think that the Caps didn't feel very strong or convincing in that win and i haven't looked at any of the stats like i've even looked at the shots on goal save percentages nothing i've just been watching mm-hmm. and the eye test is it's very much pittsburgh keeps them to the outside they they're having a very hard time getting close in close to the net to get good quality chances but the other thing i've noticed and i don't know how many times i've seen this so it could just be two or three times but it feels like washington is not taking shots when they have the opportunity to either they're going for a dangle and they get poke checked or they're looking for a pass or they, they wait too long or they pass into the penguins. They're just not shooting when they should be shooting. I agree with that completely. There was- yeah. No, oh, for, from what I've watched, I, I, I would agree with you as well. Nick. And as we're recording this, Nick is kind of like looking over his shoulder. I know you can't see this, but <laughs> I'm wondering if he's got the game on in the background. And he's checking it. Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> There we go. So, uh, so, um, and, and I agree with you. Like when I watched Washington play, I mean, not to sound like, wow, that is the most obvious and comment of life, but you can't score if you don't shoot. Again, thank you, Captain Obvious. And of course, it is it is quality over quantity, right? Like if you shoot the puck fifty shots on goal night, but forty five of them are horrible shots from like the blue line with no screening or anything, then it's not going to really matter. But at the same time, if you pepper Mark Andre Fleury with fifty shots. Even if he has a 950 save percentage, at least one or two of those are going in. Yeah. And then as long, right? So it's like you need to, you need to, and fluky goals happen. Like that's, you know, that's probably how Washington is going to win a game or two is how did that go in? They're like, yeah. in the- 81 out of 82 regular season games, that is not going in the net. But tonight it did. And if all you can muster is by being a little too, too cautious and a little trying to be too perfect with your shots, it's not going to work. So they just need to shoot more, even yeah. though they might not have as many quality shots. It's just getting pucks too flurry. Like he's having too easy. Not saying not taking anything away from flurry. He's played great, but he's also hasn't had much of a challenge. I, I think the issue is you're so rarely going to run rampant over the Penguins. They are just so fast that it is tough to to outpace them. And make it into a, a you know a track meet because if you play a track meet with Pittsburgh you're gonna lose 
And if you try to cycle on the Penguins, you're probably going to lose. You know, they, they're just not a team that really gets cycled on, and they're very good at breaking out of their their own zone because they're so fast. So it just strikes me as a team that you know, Washington was probably best matched to be able to go head-to-head with them, and they've really struggled to to generate opportunities. I think that's a testament to the work being done by Mike Sullivan. You know, uh, he... I'll say it again. I, I thought he was worthy of Jack Adams' contention this year, and uh, it's unfortunate he didn't get that vote. But I, for me, he's one of the best coaches in the NHL consistently right now, and uh, and he's doing it again systems wise against the Capitals. And, and this is just a microcosm of of what the Pittsburgh Penguins have done all season. They have been a smarter team than than many have given them credit for, and this is just Capitals falling falling uh victim to it i'm, I'm not yeah. really sure what else they can do it get production out of kevin shattenkirk maybe you know like I, if you're a caps fan what do you point to you know i, I think O'Shea's played well i think williams has played well i think kuznetsov has played well i think ovi's played well i think backstrom has played well i i don't have an issue with the way the depth has played like they've they've played a good series i what do you point to is it, is it boudreaux do you do you reshuffle the way you attack the Penguins in, in going into game four of a seven-game series? Is that the no, answer? You, you got to cross-check Melkin and Kessel. Yeah. I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Line up the headshots. Like that's the answer. It almost looks like it has to come to that. Like, well, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's what makes it tricky, right? It's, it's, it's like, in all honesty, they barely got past Toronto. Like, I mean, I'm not. that's not a stretch for me to say that. Like, Toronto very easily could have forced a game seven there. They, they, they almost did. They took an overtime in game six there. It was overtime in five or six games. And if that's Toronto that you squeaked by, I'm not surprised that Pittsburgh's running over you. And that's why I think it does come down to, I mean, you don't want to blame it on the coach, but like Colin just said, all the guy, the team's playing well. Do you, do you have to reshuffle your lines? Do you, you know, cause clearly whatever you did to, beat and i use that word in quotations because they did but not very convincingly toronto didn't really work because you barely got past them so swapping swapping out your lines isn't going to be a huge thing like yeah it'll be bad for chemistry and all that other kind of stuff but sometimes that's the spark your team needs right i mean nba teams do it all the time with their starting lineups and and you know and baseball does that all the time too right you go with who's playing well so do you put your three top production players all in the same line if you're Boudreaux and then kind of like take the hit and your other thing he's got to do something uh, yeah, I think you, you guys keep saying Boudreaux <laughs> I think you mean Barry Trotz right yes uh, I, I made that mistake yes first. sorry okay. my apologies yeah <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I made that mistake and then, and then Graham followed me. I, I, I was blaming Boudreaux for, for my wild for so long. I had to even talk to my head. Colton did it and I let it go, but then Graham did it and I couldn't yeah. I couldn't let it go yeah. twice. I uh <laughs> sorry, <Right>, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got the wrong old cap coach in my head. <laughs> yeah, I th- I just think the caps need to be stronger on the four check. Like they gotta find mm-hmm. a way to break through. The, the Penn's defense for me it's the blue line that's that's underwhelmed especially Shattenkirk he is the ability to be so much more and he just hasn't um you know Carlson as well I, I he's a player that can just take over a game I, and especially on the man advantage and I just haven't seen that from him and and I'm I want to say that's what's missing but there's so much more more to it than that I, I think you are onto something where you just say they just need to be stronger on the puck. And it it feels like it's such a cliched answer, but I think there's a really a grain of truth to it because that's just it. They haven't been able to to get anything going. You know, if there was a team that was going to be able to cycle on Pittsburgh, it was going to be the Capitals. Uh or, you know, the Sharks, I guess, because they're a good cycling team. But you know, in the Eastern Conference it was going to be the Capitals. And they just haven't outside of a few minutes sparingly throughout the series shown that they can do that. And, and this is a team that dominated the regular season, you know, is it because Holtby hasn't been playing at the same level? I mean, he's still been very good. It's, it's remiss to to say that Holtby has been playing poorly, but he's not rocking like a nine fifty. Is that what you need though? Like that shouldn't have to be what you rely on when you're the president's trophy winning team. I'm really, I'm struggling to put my thoughts into words because I'm at a loss for how miserably the Capitals have played this series. They just don't look like Washington, you know, and and 
I, I know they're victimized because they didn't really beat Toronto convincingly, but Toronto is a good team. And, and there are, are aspects of that team that are dominant. And, and when you get that top six, I think their top sixes match against each other fairly well. Like, let's not forget Austin Matthew had like 44 goals. You know, that, that's, that's Ovechkin production. You know, uh, these are, those were teams that matched up well uh, in playing style, in, in individual caliber. And I think the difference over the course of the season was Braden Holtby and that back end. And, and now that we're seeing the Capitals and their blue line's not the same and Braden Holtby isn't playing quite as well. I think this is what, this is just the team they are. You know, I think the Penguins are just a better team. They're probably going to beat the Caps again in the second round in six games. Nine and one against the Capitals. That would be Pittsburgh's record over the last decade. Nine and one in the postseason. And then they're going to go on and win the Stanley Cup again. They're going to lose to Ottawa in four games. That's how that works. (laughs) I don't know why you're even questioning that, Nick. Jeez, man. (laughs) Oh man! Oh, Ottawa though, there's a series. Yeah, I, I was loving when they were up two nothing, and then they went and played the worst playoff game I can remember in recent history, except against Pittsburgh in 2013 when they got swept. Yeah, that is, it's pretty bad. It was a pretty bad game. They got dominated. Oh, it was easily their worst playoff period ever in the first period. And one of the worst games I have seen them play all season. It was ugly. From start to finish, it was ugly. The only remote bright spot was that Bobby Ryan pass uh, for for Pajot's goal, which looked like something straight out of the Kuznetsov playbook. But for the rest of that, like that was the New York team I expected to see in game one. Fast, aggressive, moving the puck east to west, but at high pace. Like That's the team I thought. I thought we were going to run into and uh, they're a scary team when they're on, you know, Lundqvist yeah. played well, but the forwards played amazing. I would have pulled Anderson after the second goal. Um, you can't, you can't let in another goal like that. When, when you're trying to play the puck that's burned you once already this postseason. it's been an issue in the regular season. You got to let that go, especially when Ben Harper is coming back to play it. Like, there's got to be communication. You can't both be going for the same puck. That was that was rough. I I would have put Condon in just to send a message. Um, you know, you're down to nothing. I'm still confident in Condon, and the team's getting run over. So I I don't know. I wouldn't start Condon going into next game. Uh, I think that would be a mistake. But I, I think you definitely need to have a chit chat with Anderson and say, look, this was this was ugly. What about the series on the whole? Can the Ottawa Pajos still win and move on to the next series? Yeah, yeah. Pajot had a 20-goal season you know, last year. Uh, he's got five in this round alone, so he's a quarter of the way there. That's how it works, right? Bobby Ryan gets 25 points. He's on like six or seven. Pajot gets 20 goals. This is, this is how the Sens work in the postseason. I think they can. Um, I, you know, I think the big thing will be you got to win game four. If you go up 3-1, heading back home, you've got home ice advantage. I think they can get it done. Uh, they will give me numerous heart attacks over the way, but I am, I'm confident in their ability. I think the Rangers were probably the best matchup for the Sens between Boston, Montreal, and New York. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm pleased how they're playing them. I, they're, they're really evenly matched. Uh, game two was New York to start, and then Ottawa finished it. Game one, I think, was Ottawa start to finish. Um, this series hasn't really struck me as the Sens are outmatched or or outplayed, or that the Rangers are out of it. Uh, you know, to, to be fair to New York, they've been right there with it this whole time. Um, I, I think just that that start in Ottawa, that miserable finish to Game Two, has really put them in a hole uh, for the series. You know, they this Game Four tomorrow will be incredibly important. Uh, Graham, say? yeah. I'm still I'm still on the Ottawa bandwagon. Go Canadian team, go, go kind of thing. I think I think Game Three. I don't want to say it humbled the Sens because I think I think Sens fans and Colton, correct me if I'm wrong. They're confident. You're confident, but at the same time, you're probably expecting New York's going to also beat the crap out of you in three games, and you're going to win another four. I'm just happy um, to be here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. Like I mean, to, and and to be and and 
you know, for, for people listening, you know, the, the hockey department we have here for Last Word of Sports, there's like 50 of us. I, I'm just using a round number. Oh, it's about um, that, yeah. And probably probably a good portion of that. Um, have We've been talking for the last few days, and I feel like Colton's always getting beaten up for this, but like we are we're, – we're very critical on Sens fans and how apparently they just don't show up to their games and the support of them is not there and what's up with that and that kind of stuff. And I try to defend Colton as much as I can. Um, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes I'm not in the hard. nation's capital, you know. I yeah, I can't go um, to these because I do like the Sens, and I hey. I do like the Sens. I think they have something there. Um, you know, I I think I think they have something. The one argument I do make, and then it usually doesn't get too far because people are like, "Well, Buffalo has a big market, and they're not far from the Rangers." As I say, you know, Ottawa is two hours away from an original six team that has that history that has that success for multiple years that that's hard to break away from you know like that that's why in my opinion you're never going to see an nhl team in hamilton because you're never going to get fans you're going to have a bunch of Leafs fans who kind of like the hamilton team so in my opinion you'll never see a team in hamilton that's a separate discussion topic yeah but you know i think i think the Sens are a good team i think they have good pieces there you know i like i like hoffman i like i like those like bobby ryan thank you for learning how to play hockey <laughs> Um, you know, I, I like all of that, you know, and if they got rid of him, Colton would be ecstatic, um, kind of thing. So yeah. <laughs> they have the pieces there, you know, Anderson's like out of stay in. Graham is slowly dying on us. And then they'll be fine. There you go. <laughs> and you're back. Oh yeah. You're cutting in and out there. Um, I, uh, okay. First of all. Yeah. Don Sherry explained the attendance thing. It's because there's too much traffic leaving the arena. That's why, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, at this point, I after watching the first two games, at least, I do think Ottawa can pull this off over the Rangers. Uh-huh. Uh, I think game four is going to be the most important for them. And yeah, I think if they can go home to close it out, then they're in good shape. And it's a good thing that you lost that other episode because I'm flipping on all my <laughs> series predictions. <laughs> oh, this this is why I did it. You know, I, I made all these bad predictions. I was like, oh, just delete that. Don't eat it. We could just watch the first four games and predict from there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, St. Louis is up three nothing. Y'all go with the Blues. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of the Blues, they are in a hole, three one down. It's the Ryan Ellis show. In Nashville, I mean, he's been fantastic for them. Pekka Rinne, a 970 last game. He has been outstanding. He is one of the yeah. front-running favorites for uh, for the – oh, Conn Smythe. I almost, I almost said Calder uh, for the Conn Smythe this year. Yeah, not quite the Calder. But no. I saw I saw a stat earlier that said he's had, like, the best stats in this playoffs, like, in goalie history. Really? He's like right up there. That is not surprising. Like he's been fantastic, and I am so happy for him. My like Pekka Rene deserves this. He he deserves this moment, and and he deserves a win. You know the way his career has panned out. He has been such a good little soldier for the Predators, and, and now they're finally in a position where they can do something. And I would love to see him, you know, play his heart out and win a cup. Assuming they're not playing Ottawa, um, you know that would that would make. Make my day because I I'd love to see that happen. Same for PK. Um, there's a lot of lovable characters on the Predators. There's a lot of you know reasons not to like the Predators, but there are a lot of good players there that are I'd like to see I'd like to see win a Stanley Cup. And I think this is probably their best chance. They cruised through the Blackhawks and they're doing the same against the Blues. It looked like they struggled a bit in Game Two, but then they found their mojo again and they've just been dominant. Like this this team is just start to finish a better team than the Blues. And and so much of it, I think, goes back to that blue line. You look at that top four, it pick a name out of a hat, whether it's Ellis, Ekholm, Subban, Yossi, pick one, and they're most likely the number one on any NHL team. At the very least, they're the number two. You know, that is, that is an outstanding defensive core. The forwards have been insane. Victor Arvidsson has put on a show I wish Kevin Fiala hadn't got injured because I think the world needs to see how good he can be. Um, but, you know, that top line is outstanding. Even depth players. I look at like an Austin Watson. Like he's been very solid for them defensively. And he's done that all year, um, especially in the faceoff circle when he fills in. But just like he has been 
just a microcosm of what that team can do. You know, scratching a guy like Craig Smith. You know, th- those are decisions, I think, where it just shows the depth of that Predators lineup. And uh, it, they're a scary team, especially when Pekka Rene is on. Well, and that's that's the other thing that I keep looking at is that defensive force, that force that you just mentioned, I completely agree. Like that, any of them are number one on most teams out there. Um, so, and I'm not saying this to take anything away from Rene, but would he have those numbers if he didn't have that defensive group in front of him? Probably not, right? Like, he'd probably still have very solid numbers. Like, not to, again, not taking anything away from him. But you have a different defensive core. And no, you're probably not making it to the second round. You know, like, you probably would have had a more challenging time against Chicago. Um, you know, and, and all those kind of things would have would have led it to a different thing. I'm curious, though, when was the last time... Has has a team made it to the conference finals in nine games? Because I'm I'm th- I'm saying the Preds win Game Five and the series is over. I mean, somebody definitely has, but I I don't have those numbers offhand. I'd, I'd have to I can't think recently. Check. I can't think recently a team just dominating their first two round opponents. Right? You see sweeps in the first round that happens. Nobody predicted that against Chicago, but then they're also going to beat the Blues in five again. Reiterating, I'm taking them in Game Five and this series is done. Um. Colton's going to look it up really quick right now, I think. Um, <laughs> I feel like the Kings did it a couple of years ago. Like, the Kings made Maybe. it through on the least amount of games. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm sure, I'm sure that is the case. But, like, Tampa the Preds are just, they have a solid group. I mean, you know, cl- cl- and I mean, I, it, it kind of makes you go wonder and go without saying, was Subban the problem in Montreal? No, no thinking he not. wasn't. I'm thinking he wasn't. I'm thinking they're probably like, hmm, we could have him back. Darn it. Tampa um, made the conference like, and, finals and like, in 10 last year. Yeah. Or, yeah, Sorry? in 10. Tampa made the conference finals last year in 10 games. Okay, so. So, I don't know. The, if, uh, I don't know about nine, but that was my, my quick Google. I remembered them doing well. That's cool. The, um, but, like, they're just, they're such a great team. And they're young, too. Like, from what I know, they're not like a veteran team where in two or three years, half of these players aren't going to be there anymore. Like, they're, they're built that this year they've surprised people. You're not surprising anybody for the rest of this decade. You are, in my opinion, a powerhouse in the West. Like you will be competing with the Chicago's, with the Minnesotas, with hopefully Minnesota can keep it up. The fingers. <laughs> um, like they're gonna, you're gonna be competing with those teams. You're yeah. not gonna be a, oh wow, Nashville's actually good. Um, you know, like you're gonna be, you're now a threat and uh, a very likely gonna be representing the Western Conference. Yeah. Depending on how we think uh, the other series will get to when we're done talking about this Nashville, pretty amazing Predator team. Yeah, for your, uh, I think for your nine think, games, Anaheim did make it in two years ago. Anaheim uh, swept Winnipeg and then beat Calgary four to one to make the conference finals. And well, that is the last time it happened. Did Anaheim make the conference finals last year too? Uh, Nick, you can't ask me these questions on the fly. I don't remember. No, they didn't. They went I feel like <laughs> Anaheim's pretty consistently a second to third round team, except for last year when they went out in Game Seven to Nashville in the first round. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So you did know. <laughs> I did know. I quickly quickly went back and checked. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I stall. That's what I do. <laughs> stall <laughs> so I can get this information offhand and look really smart. <laughs> They do a good job of it. <laughs> you were saying about the Predators. Uh, yeah, I think the Predators pretty much proved they were a powerhouse when they swept the Blackhawks in the first round and allowed, what, two or three goals? It wasn't even close. Like, the Blackhawks three. had, what, three periods of play where they were the better team? Like, they looked good in the first period of Game 1 and the last two periods of Game 4. And that was it. Yeah. And, yeah. and Nashville the- dominated from the start to the finish. Hey, I got no words for that. Nashville had Nashville had 13 goals to pit Chicago's three. That was yeah. a goal differential in its four game series. Jean Gabriel well, Pajot had more goals in one game than the Chicago Blackhawks did in a series. <laughs> you're just so happy to say that. Like I've he's been great for your for that. Oh, it makes me so happy. <laughs> Who would have thought it would be Pajot? <laughs> Honestly, he is a legend, all right? Let me like if I ever got a tattoo of a hockey player, I think it would have to be Jean Gabriel Pajot. Dude has an entire chant about him. Scored a hat trick against Carey Price in the playoffs. Does that against Henrik Lundqvist? He is a goalie killer. That's what he does. He's like Chris Kreider, but he doesn't injure them. Pajot, 
Pajot was the Chris Cog- the Chris Coughlin of the Senators. He could never <laughs> play another game, and he will be remembered by oh, yeah. fans for years. Oh yeah, he's he's outstanding. Uh, I I love that little the little guy. And oh my gosh, when he started playing for the Sens, he had the thickest like backwoods Quebec accent. It was so fantastic. If you speak French at all, go back listen to early Jean Gabriel Pajot interviews. It's impossible to know what he's saying. Like I'm fully <laughs> bilingual, and it took me like three listens over before I was like. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Those are those are actual words he's forming with his mouth, not just random guttural <laughs> noises. He's, it's it's was, still a pretty thick accent too. Oh, it's so. still heavy. It's still really heavy. And this is <laughs> the improved version of that accent. One last series though: Oilers versus Ducks. Edmonton off to a quick two nothing lead. Anaheim pulls one game back though. Uh, what are you seeing from the Ducks so far? You believe you uh, your faith wavering in Anaheim? Is this is this McDavid show? I wouldn't say my faith is wavering in Anaheim. Just my faith is growing in Edmonton. That's fair. Like the more I see of the Oilers, the more I'm turning into a believer that they could actually do this. Think- uh, but they like games like the last game. What was it? Game three. Yeah. They gotta. You know. They gotta. They gotta get off to a better start to that than that. Yeah, that was that was ugly, and I think that really just shows what the Ducks can do. You know, six goals past Cam Talbot. Yeah. He's... Oh, did you see that first goal though? The yeah. Raquel goal. Oh my gosh, that was like executed to perfection. Ricard Raquel, Jakob Silverberg are my two favorite ducks that aren't blue liners because like all of the blue line comes first. Um, but uh, no, those those two guys are outstanding. Such underrated players. Really, really big fan of both of them. I I came into this thinking the Ducks were probably going to go through in six, and while I'm not sure that they're going to rattle four off. Uh, in a row, um, I can see it happening. You know, like I, I, Edmonton is really, really good with Connor McDavid on the ice, and Anaheim is the better team when he's off. And and I think once Anaheim's depth starts showing that, like they did in Game Three, that's when they start to take control of the series. You know, as long as they they get decent goaltending, like they did, um, I, that's I, I'm still confident enough in the Ducks. I'm not. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced in Edmonton just yet. I I'm convinced in Edmonton. Um, I get like similarly, and again, it all sounds super obvious. If Edmonton needs to win Game Four, if they can go up three one, I don't see Anaheim winning three in a row. If this series gets tied, then I'm worried, and I could probably see Edmonton pulling this off. Uh, Anaheim pulling this off. But if Edmonton can go up three one, I'm I'm looking that looks promising to me. That's that's a hopeful thing. You know, Anaheim winning three in a row, not impossible. Just don't see it happening. If McDavid could play fifty five minutes a night, of course they they sweep this series. But uh, that's not going to happen, right? Like if, if you can get a solid twenty twenty five out of him, great. But anything more than that, it's like you're just going to overwork him to get to the conference finals, and then you're going to have to deal with Nashville. And, and I, that's going to be an intriguing, I'm excited to see that matchup. So that's why I really want to see Edmonton get through. Um, because I think Edmonton Nashville will just be an exciting series. Two teams you normally don't see get that far or be fresh as a hockey fan to see that. Um, McDavid against that McDavid Rene, you know, like clef bomb. What, what would he, would he, you know, he's not, a t- he's not anywhere. Is he at the same level of those four defensemen in Nashville, but. He's a good up and coming player, you know, dry settle. Can he carry over the regular season success he had and maybe kind of bust out from behind McDavid's shadow as a, you know, as a Malkin-esque type player at Edmonton comparing Malcolm to Crosby kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those kind of things. I'm interested to see what happens in Edmonton. And that's why to me, game four, if Edmonton can go out strong, get an early goal or something like that, or, you know, keep Anaheim to not, too many shots on goal or make, make make game four winnable. And almost, I want to say like an easy night for Talbot. And by easy, I mean, keep Anaheim under 25 shots, which is going to be tricky. They haven't done it yet. They haven't yet. So if you could, um, then that's great. Um, Or if you do let out out a lot of shots, make them poor quality chances or something like that, um, then I'm confident, you know, so this, this game four is the, this is the turning point for me. If Edmonton, win- if Edmonton wins it, I'm fully on board Edmonton. If Anaheim wins it, then I'm probably going to start leaning over towards the Anaheim side. 
Do you think I, I agree? I think Anaheim can pull it off too, uh, but I could see it going either way. But do you think that either of these teams can beat Nashville in the conference finals? I think Anaheim could. I don't think I don't think Edmonton can. That's uh, that's my gut reaction. My, my biggest question I've got, if I can get those words out of my mouth, is Cam Talbot. He's never played this many games in a year. How is he going to handle it? Uh, he was great in game two. So 40 shots against, one goal. You know, but Edmonton can't keep giving him workloads like that because when he does come back down no. to earth, like we saw in game three, the Ducks put six by him. You know, they haven't <laughs> words are tough today. They haven't shot less than 30 shots in a game so far. You know, it, Anaheim, I think, has just been the better team and, and Cam Talbot has been the difference maker. And, uh, you know, I was wrong in the Minnesota series when I when I said Jake, Jake Allen will eventually come back down to earth. Uh, but I think I think Cam Talbot will uh, will be bested in, in this series. I, re- I really do think the Ducks pull this back. Well, and that's that's the thing too for Talbot is somehow if somehow Edmonton can win this in five, you know, I, it'll be a challenge winning two in a row. Um, but that's that's what Talbot needs is you need to like they need to win the next two so we can have like a week off. Um, before before the conference finals, if if Anaheim, if Anaheim pushes this to a six or seven, and somehow Edmonton still advances, I I honestly could see Nashville making the conference finals in thirteen games. Like if if Edmonton has to go seven games with Anaheim, and now you got to play Nashville in the conference finals, I could see Nashville sweeping Edmonton in the conference finals, which would be ridiculous. Not too many times are you going to see a sweep <laughs> in the conference finals, mm-hmm. but that's and I think it would just be because Talbot would be gassed. Like Nashville could put up twenty shots on goal, and Talbot would probably let in five of them, just because he would be exhausted. <laughs> He's by played that time. a ton of hockey this year, and uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see see how he does. There you go. There's our series. Let's uh, let's move on though. Let's talk a little bit about the draft. I was looking, doing uh, some quick Twitter perusing, and someone said the odds of all three teams getting knocked out of the top three was about one to like three hundred and fifty six or something like that. I think it was Tyler Dello that tweeted that out. Regardless, it was unbelievable odds. Like that was such a freak chance of happening. Had this happened last year, the Ottawa Senators would have drafted Patrick Lina. For for comparison's point, like that that could <laughs> not have that happened. You're bitter at all <laughs> no, no, I'm not bitter at all. The Leafs wouldn't have got Austin Matthews. Winnipeg wouldn't have got Patrick Lina. Hey, that is yeah. that's wild to think of. It, how bad do you feel for for Colorado? Pretty bad. No, They're no, no. the only team in NHL history to suck that much, and by that much I mean be last by more than twenty points and not pick first overall. No it's pretty one, bad. No one else. I don't. Feel, has, I don't. I, it's bad for them. I don't feel bad at all. Like I, honestly, I got a kick out of that. I was like, "Wow, way to play horribly, and you still get the fourth <laughs> overall pick." Like, wow. I, I do feel bad because this wasn't like. The Sabres tanking for Eichel, where they were so clearly trying to be bad. This was just a terrible team, and they need all the help they can get. And now they're picking fifth in a draft that's not super deep. That has you know from from three to twelve is is basically as as it's been explained to me. You know that's one group, and one and two are another group, and to fall out of that top group and into the second group, that's just like that's a blow that you didn't want to. Didn't want to be dealt. You, know, you, you follow along with the Avalanche Twitter and they're just, just stunned. You know, trying to stay positive on a on a night that was so clearly not in their favor. I love it from a drama point of view. I'm not sure it's the right way to do the draft, but I do enjoy it. It makes me laugh. You know, it's it's actually first of all, before I talk about it, I need to correct you. Buffalo tanked for McDavid right, and they lost. Right. So okay. let's make that clear. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, and I think like I wrote about the the draft lottery after and I referred to it as like a spectacle created out of a simple administrative task. Like <laughs> it should be nothing. Yeah. It's so and they've created this whole dramatic like Night around show it. around it yep. from the music to going to commercial break before announcing the top three. Yeah. So like getting the picks out of the briefcase. <laughs> Yeah, the briefcase, like oh the guy God. walking down the hallway. Oh <laughs> like, it's, so... it's it's kind of funny. The, the only thing that's missing is Howie Mandel hosting it. Yeah, right? <laughs> that would be so great. Couldn't pick up the cards, though, because he's a germaphobe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
so it's kind of funny, but it's also really compelling. Like I couldn't stop watching. You know who I think the secret winner is of this draft? Philadelphia. Their prospect cupboard is already stocked, and they just got a top three pick for free. Like, God likes the Flyers. Apparently. I can't believe Philadelphia and Dallas both made oh, it. Oh, I know. I know. Speaking of Dallas, though, you guys see the rumors? Devils should trade Corey Schneider for the third overall pick. Here's some thoughts. Initial reaction, and they're both looking a little disgusted at this this proposal. I mean. I the thing, the thing with that is, like, yes, okay, then you get the first and the third overall pick. And like you just said, like, one and two is pretty clear cut. Three to 12 is another group. But it's not like with one and three you're going to draft McDavid. Line, I know Line A was a two, but yeah, let's yeah. just use him as an example. You're not drafting those two guys with the first and third. Not in this draft. Like, that's not Fair. the type of play. There's you're still not getting a, a number one and a, a number any, three. Yeah, even I know, in, I know. Even I know in a weak draft, using, that's still pretty good. Um, but there's not there's not an NHL ready player in this draft, um, in my opinion. That like, and especially with the teams that are going to be drafting you, right? Like, if you're if you're Patrick, um, I think that's his last name. Yep. The Nolan yeah. Okay. You know, if if you're him and you were drafted by Colorado, really, Colorado's got nothing to lose. I wouldn't have been shocked to see him crack Colorado's roster this season. Mm-hmm. You're not cracking the Devils this year. They'll say, "Yep, go play a year in the minors, then you'll be in our team next year," um, kind of thing. But Really, with a non-deep class, you're not going to get NHL-ready stars. You'll get good players. Like, of, of course, the top one and three are going to be good. But, and again, Corey Schneider, I don't, I don't think, you know, we've talked about this maybe a little bit off air that, you know, I don't think he is the guy to get the Devils there. Um, I don't know if you, if Dallas would offer, like, oh, yeah, we'll give you the third overall for Corey Schneider. That's like, really? It's Corey Schneider. Like, <laughs> why would Dallas want him? Right, I mean, oh, I do in a heartbeat is... if I'm Dallas. In a heartbeat, I mean, right now you've got Tyler Sagan cheap, Jamie Ben kind of cheap, Jason Spets is on your team. He's not getting any younger. Most of your, you know, Patrick Sharp, if he comes back, like, you know, any any can play for you. Also, not getting any younger. I mean, this is the time you go for it. You're a year removed from being the highest scoring team in the league. You're bringing in a new coach in Ken Hitchcock. I think that's going to, that's going to do wonders. Your defense is young, but they're improving. There's, there's some faith there. Goaltending has been your, your Achilles heel for the past couple of years, with the exception of last season. You bring in a guy like Corey Schneider, who is a, a solidified number one. He is one of the NHL's best outside of this past season where, you know, he had his own rough spot. And I think you've got a team that is legitimately contending for the cup in the West. Um, and but if he, if Schneider can't be the guy in New Jersey, what's going to make him the guy in Dallas? He well, the issue is that New Jersey isn't fielding an NHL team. New yeah, Jersey okay, is fielding okay. four NHLers and a bunch of farm guys like that. Yeah, Corey Schneider is, has never been and is not the issue in New Jersey. The issue mm. is just that the devils suck. They, they're plain <laughs> and simple. They have Taylor Hall. They have Kyle Palmieri, Adam Henrique. They had Adam they Larson. Pieces. You know, they, they have pieces. Ben Lovejoy was playing top line minutes for the New Jersey Devils. He is a third pairing defenseman on any other team, including the Senators, who play Cody Cece like a number two. <laughs> there is there I'll, I'll, no I'll give you all of that. universe that is where Corey Schneider is the issue. If he goes to a team, if he goes to a team with that is an actual team, maybe they'll succeed. But this brings up an issue that I do find interesting: that with this new draft lottery thing, these kind of trades are now talked about. Like in the past, if you were if you had a top, I'll even say top ten pick, like would you really be trading it? Like if you know if the, if this went Colorado, Arizona, whoever the other team would have been. Um, yeah, how it was meant to go. Yeah, Vancouver. 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 If it if that actually was how it went, none of we wouldn't be having this conversation. Like it wouldn't be happening. But with this crazy draft lottery, like I I won't be shocked if Philadelphia is even like, hey, we'll listen for the number two. We yeah. will listen. Because I, I think... we were supposed we were expected to draft thirteenth overall. Mm-hmm. And we aren't that we were in the playoffs last year. Yes, we were, got kicked out in the first round by Washington, but similar to Toronto this year, played them hard. So we don't really need a number two overall. I mean, you're not going to complain with a number two overall pick. But if this wasn't the case and it went Colorado, Arizona, Vancouver, 
we wouldn't be having this discussion. So this draft already makes things interesting. It makes it that top 10 picks become trade bait. Yeah. Whereas in the past, they would fair. not have been. You've got teams who are in the middle of, you know, right on the edge, uh, getting getting top tier picks, which you didn't have before. And you're right; it does it does bring up the opportunity for a a, te- a trade with a uh, with a win now team or a rebuilding team with good players. I mean, obviously, you're not going to pry Taylor Hall out of New Jersey, but you know, that's the kind of situation that that you could get. You know, you could get a, a Dallas team. You know, prying out a star and giving away a pick, or or a Philadelphia team getting giving away a pick and and going after a, a star player on the Devils. I I don't think they really have you know the the personnel that Philadelphia would be after. But it's an interesting point you bring up, and and I'm curious to see if we will get big trades like that, whether that's this off season or in the future. I think this year will will probably be when it's most likely because again the chances of this happening so so low. And I think it really does throw a wrench in the mix. If I'm the Flyers, and that's that's the question you ask. If you're the Flyers, would you consider trading the number two pick? I don't think so. I think you've got enough young talent. You draft either Patrick or Hershier, and and in two years when they're capable of playing in the NHL, or even next year if if they're good enough. Um, but I think in two years when they're capable of playing in the NHL, as long as they've got you know the size on them to do it. Bring them up. They may not be leading your first line or replacing Claude Giroux, but they sure as heck are better than, you know, your fourth line Chris Vandeveld. Like, he shouldn't touch NHL ice anyways. That's, that's a, a huge, huge upgrade. And that's the kind of upgrade that, that pushes a team from, you know, contending for a wild card to contending for a title. It, it, those kind of depth moves. So, well, I think it's interesting and, and I'd like to see those trades happen. I don't think it'll happen in the top two. I think Dallas is probably our best bet because they, they really do need to win now while you've got those guys locked up cheap and, uh, and your aging veterans still available. Hemsky, Spezza, et cetera. I just feel like if I'm New Jersey, I wouldn't, I don't think Corey Schneider's, I think Corey Schneider is worth more than that. I do too. Uh, well, eh, I, three is a really good pick. Like, yeah. But if we're saying three to 12, like it's one in, yeah, nine, right? The like, flip side is Robin Leonard went for like the fifteenth overall pick or something like that a few years back. So really, yeah, and then that's Robin Leonard. So what is Corey Schneider worth? You know, hey, you just traded Adam Larson for Taylor Hall. I mean, if that's the uh, the price of yeah. a number one D, what's the price of a bona fide elite goaltender? You know, yeah. is it then uh, another trade I'll throw at you guys? Just because this is probably crazy and you're going to shake your heads at me, but. You're Colorado. Clearly, you're disappointed, right? You fell from very good chance to get number one to the four, right? And rebuilding is a long process, and I'm sure Colorado fans are knowing of this. Um, you know, Leafs fans went through it for a long time, and Colorado, buckle up because you're probably in the same boat. But since you didn't get that top two pick, now you have the fourth. It's a weak class, right? Like three to 12 really could go anywhere. Um, you know, it looks like the fourth overall would be Tippett, which uh, he's not NHL ready. Is he going to be in a year or two? Probably. But does Colorado think like trade the fourth overall for maybe a guy that's still young, but he's been in the league for a couple years. He's making an impact. We think you could play nicely alongside McKinnon. Do you do that if you're Colorado? I mean, you're already disappointed because you went from one to four. Do you think maybe we could actually turn this into a positive and trade the fourth overall for, a? Uh, Young player like uh, I'll use an Adam Henrique again. Not a not a, he's not worthy of a top four, but like you're not you know you're, if you're Colorado, that might be kind of the area you're looking at. Do you do that? Maybe if you're Colorado with the weak class, I don't think so. I think if you're the Avalanche, you just say, "Look, we'll take our top pick. We 100 percent need to rebuild this." Like that team is is just nowhere close to where they need to be if if they want to compete. And uh, I think you just take your big pick and and go home and be happy about it. You know, yeah, you didn't get first overall, but like, unless someone is willing to give you, you know, the, uh, the 10th and their 10th and the second, you know, maybe then you consider it because three to 12 is so, so similar, but I really, but on the flip side, because they're so similar, I don't see you getting a trade like that, you know, where, where you can significantly improve your value and, and pick up that second round, that extra second rounder, um, so unless that's on the table, I would I would just say no. You know, draft fourth, be happy with it. I think that's the mindset Colorado has too. 
just draft as high as possible and yeah. go from there. You want to collect draft picks. I think Carolina is doing it the right way. You know, get as many second, third round picks as you can draft there. Because once you're wow. out of the top 20 players, you know, like 30 to 65, 70 are all pretty similar in, in the impact they'll have in the NHL and the accuracy that we pick them with. So get as many of those picks as you can and just start chucking darts at a dartboard. And eventually you'll or, get a couple of bullseyes. Or yeah. if you're Colorado, do you offer like Landis Cog in the fourth for Philadelphia's second? I'm throwing no, up crazy stuff. Here. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, no, I don't think there's a there's an option there. Unless you trade like Tyson Berry for the second. Is Tyson Berry worth a second? Like as long as well, we're throwing out hypotheticals here. Like I don't think he is. Well, I, I don't do it if I'm Philadelphia help. either. I don't know. So, like, Phil- what is- Philadelphia is pretty solid on the yeah. on, on defense with, Maybe with Dallas the ghost does of Provorov, it, But right? then you're like, only moving to three, and you're missing out on Hershey or Patrick. And even that's that, what I, I'm saying. Like, I don't think it, Nico or Nolan is really like. It's not McDavid. It's not Matthews. It's not even Eichel. And and I think that's what people are missing. You know, these guys are great, and they will be very good players. You know, this strikes me as an Ekblad draft versus a McDavid Matthews draft. Philadelphia could use an elite starting goaltender like Corey Schneider. <laughs> they certainly could. <laughs> I don't see it happening, but they certainly could. Could you, oh, could you right? do that trade in division to your immediate rival? That's that's a and fireable like, offense. On top of that, New Jersey already has five picks in the first three rounds. Yeah. And seven in the first four. They're, they've been doing well. Yeah, they got a lot of draft picks coming up. What, what can you say? What can you say? I, they're in a weird spot. They they basically just need to start over and rebuild, but they have Taylor Hall and Corey Schneider, who is 30-plus. So, you know, what do you do? That's well, I'm sure any team would take a lottery draft magnet like Taylor Hall. <laughs> First-round pick just follows that guy around. So <laughs> that's It's the uh, <laughs> speed up the rebuild process. You just sign Taylor Hall for a few years. You don't even have to play him. You just... Just there for number one picks. That's all he does. <laughs> He's worth the money alone just for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Game Time Decision Podcast. Hope you liked it. It's uh, it's crazy times over there in Washington and Pittsburgh. Kind of tied at two right now. And uh, I want to get this done no. so I can go. Oh, someone's Pittsburgh's scored. Pittsburgh's winning 3-2. Oh, Nick, you're breaking my little heart here. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up so that we can enjoy that game and uh, get back to you next week with some some complaints about why the Washington Capitals went out in five games because they're <laughs> terrible. <laughs> All right. That's going to be it for this episode. If you like the chart, you can check us out online on SoundCloud or on iTunes. Just search Game Time Decision. You can find us on lastwordonhockey.com. You can find us all on Twitter at GTD underscore podcast at Colton Prail at GM614 at Nick Sega 19. That's going to do it. Have a good one.